Um, what do you think are the main reasons why Christians don't pray? And then um, list the, the biggest barriers to a consistent prayer life in your life. So I asked you a general question, and then I just kind of targeted it right back at you. So why do people, you know, other people not pray? And then really, what's the biggest challenge for you? So um, what did you guys come up with? Let's just, just throw them out at me as a quick list here. What are the, why do people not pray? Just shoot them at me. Come on. No answers? Okay, God, I don't believe God answers, so no point. Discouragement. Okay, discouraged. Okay. Oh, okay, so we want to hide from God because we, we know that there's things that, um, there's sin in our lives and we, we're, there's fear. We're afraid to go pray because our sin wants to cause us to go hide, not approach Him. Too busy, too tired. Those are on my list. Oh, that's a great one. God knows all things. He knows why I'm, what I'm thinking already. Why bother? That's good. It's amazing the things we can come up with, right? I heard, yeah. Grandchildren is an answer. Okay. I think that encompasses a whole world of distraction, right? <clears throat> Could we just say distractions? <laughs> Prosperity. Okay, life is good. No, nothing to pray about. Okay, so not sure, not sure what to say or how to say it. Okay. Okay. I didn't make you specify which ones were other people and which ones were yours. Um, I didn't want to put you on the spot. Okay, that's a pretty good starting list. That's a pretty good list. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Matt. Yes. Yeah, so we wake up in the morning and we're often multitasking from the time we get up to the time we go to bed, you know, shuffling two or three other things. And there's very, very little, if any, time when everything is shut down. Uh, until When everything else shuts down, our eyes shut down and we're out too. So it's pretty much how that goes. I, I was listening to, um, I rarely listen to, to, um, to, to, to uh, sermons, audio, but I listened to one this week and um, the pastor was making the point he was he was making the issue that Matt was just making, but instead of relating that to how it's affected prayer, he was relating that to how it's affected fellowship in the church and um, how how uh, we've become so so privatized in our lives through digital means that it's disconnected us from other people and it's destroying the whole idea of corporate fellowship. And it was really really eye-opening message. But um, I think it's very true, very true. All right, so number two. Uh, I wanted you to look at some passages that dealt with uh, Jesus and, and how prayer functioned in his life. So what did you come up with from these passages? How, what, what, do we, what do we discover about Jesus' prayer life? Some, some things that we saw in these passages. What's that? Okay, prayer was a priority to him. 
Yeah, we won't we won't spend time tonight trying to dissect the Trinity and how that works out in prayer. But you can suffice it to say that prayer was important to Jesus. It was a priority for sure. How did you see it? I mean, what what made you think it was a priority in what you read? Okay, so he intentionally spent time just doing that. Okay, there were occasions where he prayed all night. Yep. We also saw that he prayed not just at night, but where? Okay, so there were there were seasons of prayer by himself when he was solitary or alone. There were other times when he prayed with other people, um, an all-nighter on some occasions. Other times he got up early in the morning. Um, okay, what else? Okay, give thanks. Thanksgiving was a was part of how he prayed. Okay. Okay, occasionally. Sure. All situations. Absolutely. Teresa, did you have one back there? Oh, you were celebrating Trudy there. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. What else? <laughs> gotcha. All right. What else? Okay. All right. God's will was a was the focus of his prayer. Okay. That certainly played a big 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 role in how he prayed. He understood that he had desires, but there was also God's will that was out there that wasn't, at least uh, during this season, not always perfectly clear to him. Okay. Okay, gave some, some clear instructions on how to do it. And so it wasn't mysterious to him. He understood it. Sure. Okay, good answers. All right. Um, Ephesians 6, uh, that's, that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks. Paul connects this spiritual warfare and the spiritual armor to prayer. I just wanted you to think about for a minute what was the connection. What do you think is the connection between the two? Um, and what does it tell us about the kind of things we ought to pray for? Pastor Frank has an advantage. What's that? Perseverance, boldness, Okay. That's right. That's exactly right. Pastor Frank, I'll give you $20 later. For, yeah, no, he's exactly right. Your prayer is indispensable to this whole picture. And, and the, the whole picture is not complete, separated from that. The armor that we've been talking about, you know, faith and righteousness and peace uh, and, and the assurance of our salvation, all of these things that we've been talking about are not sufficient alone. Uh, they're not mechanical. They're not, they're not meant as standalones. Um, they, 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 they only function in connection with prayer. So you're right. All right, what kind, we've been talking about the spiritual warfare. What is this warfare all about? What is it a battle? What is the battle like? What is it a battle over? Okay. Right and wrong. Where does the battle take place? This goes back, you know, ten weeks or so. Okay, it's our minds. We're, how we think is where it begins. Okay, truth, lies, um, you know, evil and good, and so forth. We either these, all of this affects our mind, and so that's where the battle's beginning. And there's it involves temptations and distractions and all the things we've talked about in these weeks. Okay, uh, so so prayer relates to that somehow in this passage. Um, all right, did you come up with anything else? I don't want to cut you off before you're done.
Are you good? Okay, so um, picking up in our in our text um, in Ephesians six, <clears throat> verse eighteen. Let's just read that, or I'll read it. After talking about taking up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, he says, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, uh, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Yeah, it's interesting that this armor that we've been talking about, this helmet, you know, he doesn't present prayer as a piece of the armor. Did you notice that? He doesn't say, you know, put on the socks of prayer, you know, the... The sunshades of of uh, supplication or something. Hey, that's two S's. That would work, but um, he doesn't give prayer as a piece of the armor, does he? Um, no, he doesn't. He he sets that apart as as something altogether different yet related. You've got the helmet, the the shield. You've got the the breastplate and the belt and the shoes and all of these things. And then he says, um, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication and all perseverance and. All of these alls, you know, all times, all sorts of ways, with all perseverance. It's as though the, it's as though he's presenting to us exactly what Pastor Frank was just saying a moment ago, and that's the idea that prayer must be kind of the power that infuses all of this armor for it to function and for us to be able to stand at the end. He doesn't present the armor uh, as being able to to carry us through to to victory or to keep us standing, if we want to use Paul's analogy. On its own, all alone, disconnected from prayer. In other words, victory depends. Victory in the battle and, and, and the ability to be able to withstand the onslaught uh, is, is not just a matter of putting on the armor. It's a matter of putting on the armor and prayer. Prayer infusing that armor with the power of God. It seems as though he's presenting the, that as though it's the, the kind of the source of power for the, for the whole outfit, if you will. Uh, prayer being woven through all of that. As we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we do that in a spirit of prayer. As we think through and put on the helmet of salvation, prayer infuses that process. And as we wield the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, we do so prayerfully. Do you get the idea that, that prayer in, it infuses all of this? Um, it's not just another component that we add on at parts and pieces wise. It's the thing that becomes the key to kind of appropriating the resources of God to, to all that we to all that we do in in the midst of the battle. And um, um, one of the things that, that that happens to us, and you, I knew this would come out when I asked you question number one a little while ago, uh, it, it, because it's true. One of the things that happens is we can we can very easily as Christians fall into this terrible sort of a place in our lives where we begin to feel like we are adequate you know we we know enough bible you know things are going well enough we're adequate we don't we don't really need we're good we're, we're set we're okay there's no there's no uh, crisis at the moment um there's no you know we the job is okay you know other than bumps in the road here and there family's okay church life's okay you know Paying the bills, all right. Kids are getting along fine. You know, we're 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 okay. We're adequate. We're fine. We don't. We lose that sense of of dependence and that sense of of desperate need for God's power to work in our lives. We begin to become prideful and self-sufficient. Has anybody ever sensed that in your life that you've gotten into a season where that's going on? You don't really notice it. It doesn't happen like a switch that happens overnight. It's it's kind of a drift that takes place. Um, gradually in your life until, you know, something shakes you all of a sudden and you stop and you think and you go, wait a minute, whoa, when was the last time I prayed? When was the last time I thought about how much I really need God? 
How long have I been kind of operating in my own in my own strength here? How long have I been kind of just just floating through with my own conscious, you know, my own thoughts, my own decisions, my own evaluations, without even stopping to to connect with the power of, of God through prayer? I mean, it's easy for us to get into that kind of a phase in our life, you know. Um, when, when some kind of problem erupts or some kind of crisis happens in our life, boy, I mean, you know, that takes you there quick, right? All of a sudden you realize, oh, I need to pray. Um, and I think, you know, honestly, I think, and I think Scripture would bear this out, that sometimes crises come into our life because of that very reason. Uh, because we're in that drift and God uses those kinds of things to snap us out of it and to remind us as believers how desperately we need Him. Um, I, I can think of seasons in my life where I'm, I'm convinced that's been the case, you know, where, where I was just kind of drifting along, you know, um, living in my own strength and my own wisdom, my own abilities, and, and just kind of cruising along as though, really, um, while knowing a lot about God, while coming to church all the time, uh, living practically, uh, in a sense, like a spiritual atheist, as though God, as though I don't need Him. Um, and, I, and I'm convinced there are things that have happened in my life that have been very unpleasant. There are things that God brought intentionally at me for the purpose of waking me up to that reality and snapping me out of it. And I suspect probably that's been true in your life, too. Um, there's nothing like a good crisis or some good pain, right, to uh, wake us up to, our, to remind us of our desperate need for God. And, of course, what Satan would like to accomplish in our lives in this area is to lull us to sleep, is, is to guide us on that drift uh, because the further we drift, the, the, the further we get away from that connection with the Lord, the more of a sitting duck we become for him in the battle, for his, to use Paul's analogy, those flaming arrows, right? Um, they, 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 he would become prey for him. And he can easily, easily uh, take us out. And so we, 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 this, is, this, is, this is critical. This issue of prayer is critical to keeping us engaged and keeping us connected. You see... God didn't. God hasn't just saved us to fill us up with a bunch of theology and knowledge. I mean, it's important for us to know our Word, the Word of God. It's important for us to to know things, uh, and and to study to show ourselves approved. But but God desires relationship. And you remember the analogy that Jesus used. He said, "I'm the vine, and you're the what? You're the branches. He who remains in me will. Do you remember what happens? You'll bear much fruit. Um, if you don't remain in Him, the idea is what you." You wither away, you don't. You don't bear fruit. It's only in remaining connected. And he's given that picture of an intimate relationship where, where you're connected to him in such a way that his power and his, and his, his, um, his work begins to flow through you and, and bear fruit. But that happens only in the connection. And, and I think we can use that analogy to kind of um, to connect with this idea of prayer. What does prayer do? It's part of that remaining connected. It's part of that remaining connected to him. Uh, so that His power begins to then flow through us. Uh, and it is a constant reminder to us of our, of our desperate need for Him. And so in our text here, you know, Paul is saying, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. And he's all or always, all the time. Uh, what does it mean to pray all the time? What does it mean? Obviously, you know, if you were at home group this past week, uh, right? How many of you were at a home group this past week? You, you know, the devotional dealt with this issue, right? Praying at all times. Um, what does that mean? What does it mean to pray at all times? Does it mean you know, you're on your knees all day long? What does it mean to pray all the time, pray always? What does Paul have in mind here? Obviously, he doesn't have in mind like an all-day church service. You've got other things to do. What does it mean? What does this look like?
that made me think of something. You know, when I was a kid, we used to do fire drills in school. Did you used to do fire drills in school? And at the time, they had this little advertising campaign that were trying to get kids to remember what to do when there was a fire. And there was a three-step process. It was like, stop, drop, and roll. Does anybody remember that? You know, you just, you know if you catch on fire, what do you do? You stop, drop, and roll. Um, so I'm sitting here thinking about prayer. Is it not like, you know, we need to pray. I've got to stop, drop, and, you know, hit my knees and close my eyes. And no, it's not that kind of a picture. Okay. So, so anybody want to build off of what Teresa was just saying? That Teresa? We've got more than one now. Okay, so I think it's good, good as well. I mean, it's the idea of seeking God in all the things that we're doing. It's, 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 it's living our, our life daily, uh, moment by moment, with just sort of a Godward focus. The idea that God is around me and He's with me and He's working through me and all the circumstances of my life He's involved in in some sort of a way. It doesn't mean that I'm stopping, closing my eyes all the time. You think in terms of what Paul was speaking in Ephesians, this is you know, early in the, in, in the New Testament era. I mean, what, what did prayer look like to Jews in the first century and for centuries before that? Okay, it was ritualistic. There were certain particular prescribed times that you prayed in certain particular forms and ways. And so when, we, when, when Christ comes and, and we have this, this New Testament era begins in the church, we have this new sort of a position here. It's not praying at certain times and prescribed ways. We're getting this command to pray at all times, always. Living, living our lives with sort of a Godward focus and, and realizing throughout the day as good things happen. Thank you, Lord. That was great. I appreciate that. Um, you know, something comes up. There's, you know, something comes at you at work. Lord, I need wisdom right now. Would you help me? You know, you, you come across somebody who has a need. God, would you, would you work in that person's life? Or, you know, you have an opportunity to, 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 to cross paths with somebody who needs to hear the gospel. God, give me courage and open their eyes that they might understand. And it's just, Walking through life with this focus, this prayerful focus, recognizing that all day long I'm dependent upon God. I need Him to do things in me and through me in order for spiritual fruit to be born in my life and in order for my life to have any spiritual effectiveness in any particular sort of things. And we see this all throughout um, the New Testament. You know, we see it in Luke chapter 21, pray always, in Acts chapter 6. You know, we see the, the, the early church, they were praying at all times. And uh, the idea that just living life being a constant sort of an exercise of prayer, um, uh, and that keeps us dependent upon God. And it's so, so really critically important, uh, really, really important uh, in, in the big picture. Um, so this, this idea of praying always, and then we get the second all in that text, um, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. What is he talking about here? First, he's talking about times, at all times, with all prayer and supplication. What is that? What's the issue there? We don't use the word supplication much. Okay. Yeah, praying in all sorts of ways, all the time, in all sorts of ways. And you saw some of that in Jesus, right? I mean, what are kinds of things that we pray for? What are kinds of prayers? We mentioned Thanksgiving. What else is there? Other things can you pray about? All right, praise. That's a part of prayer. You know, praising God for who he is. Yeah. You know, God, the other, the other morning, I, I was getting ready to take my son to school, and the sun was coming up, and it was just 
really beautiful particular. I noticed it that day. It's beautiful every day. I just don't notice. I'm usually sleepy or something. But I just noticed it. And I thought, you know, God, that's awesome what you've done. That's just beautiful. Praise. Yeah. I don't do that enough. I don't. I should. Praise. Thanksgiving. Okay. Praying for other people. Okay. Okay. Help for him. I need help. Okay. Yep. Wisdom. Guidance. Confession. Okay. Yeah. So it's what he's saying. You know, praying all the time in all sorts of ways. This is not a matter of mechanical things, you know, where you pray at a certain time and you go through a rote prayer. It's praying all the time as, as, you're, as you're conscious of God and as things are happening. You're praying and you're praying in all sorts of ways. Um, the battle is coming. You know, if you think of a battle, um, you never watch a war movie or something. You see a battle. That, are, are, they, are, they, are battles predictable and consistent? Are they, or, do, or is there constant change happening all the time? If you're on the battlefield, right, there's stuff happening all the time. There are variables that are being introduced that are causing you to react all the time. And so the picture of the spiritual battle is the same way. We're living life and we've got an enemy who's coming at us in all different ways that are often unpredictable. And we're conscious of that. And we're realizing however he comes at us, we have need for God to be with us and to help us and his power to then... Uh, flow through us. So you've got all these pictures in the Bible of different kinds of prayers, public prayers and private prayers, spontaneous sorts of prayers or deliberate kinds of prayers. You've got, um, you know, silent prayers, spoken prayers out loud, confessions, praise, you know, you got people kneeling, you got people standing, you got people laying prostrate. Um, prostrate, that's funny. What was the song that, we, that has prostrate, uh, prostrate in it uh, that we sing sometimes? Yeah, the one I always say prostate instead of prostrate, and I can never sing the song right ever since then. Uh, hail the power of Jesus' name. Um, I had this bad, bad problem with getting words wrong in the songs, and then it ruins the song for me. It's just I can't. Um, uh, there was, this happened a couple of weeks ago. One of the songs it's slipping my mind right now. Um, what it was, but it, it, it happened. But uh, let. I've just, yeah, yeah, I've just shared that for you. Glad to hear it. Well, I don't think angels have prostate, so I don't know. Never seen one to be sure to test it out, but um, let's just move on from that. Let's just move on from that. Although all the, all, the, all the angels you see in the Bible are men, and they're not, I don't know. I don't know if that relates at all. Okay, moving on here. Um, so you get the idea. Uh, evening, morning, noon, all sorts of prayers, all kinds of times, um, so on and so forth, um, is the picture that we have of all this. And then he talks about this idea of praying with all perseverance. What's he going at here? This issue of all perseverance. All kinds of prayers, all times, with all perseverance. You stay at it. You don't give up. You keep going. You keep praying. You persevere. You, you keep at it. When you're tired, you keep at it. When the battle's raging, you keep at it. When you don't see all the answers that you particularly want, you just keep at it. It's this idea of perseverance. And the idea of, the idea of perseverance in the fight, you can't let down. You can't let down your guard. You can't disconnect from your power source. You go down. It's, so it's the idea that you, you stay at it all the time. And he, and he adds to that, be alert. Um, be alert, and he tells us to watch and be alert. The idea of looking out as opposed to looking where? 
Yeah, okay, so it's this picture of looking out over the spiritual battlefield, watching for what's coming at you, and persevering in, in, in the matter of prayer regarding those things. Um, you know, I've said this uh, before when we've talked about prayer. Um, one of the things that inevitably happens in church life, uh, and you see this in public prayer sort of events, we easily default in our prayer to, to just praying for physical healing. I mean, that just becomes the thing that dominates, you know. So-and-so's got a, a bad foot, so-and-so's having a surgery, and somebody else has got this problem and that problem. We're just praying for all this physical stuff. And, and it's not that that's wrong. James instructs us when any of you sick, you know, you pray for them and so forth. Um, however, that, that certainly shouldn't be the, the biggest priority, and it's not the priority here, is it? Do we have the idea of physical healing? Does that have anything to do with watching out over the spiritual battle and persevering and praying in that regard? No, it really doesn't. When you think of how Paul's writing this, he's, he's writing in chains, so there's probably a lot of things that Paul could have prayed for for himself, don't you think? Um, but he doesn't. What is he? In fact, the one thing he asked for for himself, did you catch it in this passage? Does he say pray? You know, this this, this chain is really uh, it's, it's making my foot hurt. You know, could you pray for my foot? I'm in prison. It stinks in this place. You know, uh, could you pray that I get some relief? What does he pray for? That's right. He says, look. Um, and also pray for me that the, that words may be given to me when I open my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to. What does he pray for? Hey, here's what you can pray for me. I'm in prison, but who cares about all that? I'm chained up to a guard. I don't worry about all that stuff. Here's what you can pray for, that when I open my mouth, God will do what? He'll give me words. And that I'll be able to deliver those words How? Boldly. Now that's something to pray for. Never mind the foot. Never mind the chain. Pray that, you know. And this was the miracle of Paul. You know, Paul. Paul could have kind of. He could have really been fallen into all sorts of self pity when he was put in prison, right? I mean, here's a man who's he's, who's living to go out and plant churches and extend the gospel as far as he can. All of a sudden, he gets arrested and he's chained and put in prison, and all that shuts down. Can you imagine? Well, what would be the temptation there to say, man, God, look at all this work I'm doing for you. I'm taking your gospel. I'm sacrificing all this to try and extend the kingdom. And here you get me thrown in jail and I'm chained and I can't do any of this anymore. I mean, how many of us would be tempted to self-pity in that, you know? Uh, but not Paul. Not Paul. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even pray about that stuff. He doesn't ask for prayer about that stuff. You know why? Because he had confidence in God's power and he had confidence in God's will. And what ultimately happened in that is we find later in Philippians, he says, look, he's continuing to pray for opportunities for the gospel. He's got Roman soldiers that are chained to him every day. And you know what he's doing with these guys? What do you think he's doing with them? What's he praying that he would do with them? I mean, Paul's got a captive audience. I mean, they've got a captive prisoner, and he's got a captive audience. And you find out in Philippians that he tells, he tells uh, the believers of Philippi, you know, that the gospel uh, is, is people are being saved in, even up into Caesar's household. He's getting access to people uh, in, in the Roman system through his imprisonment that he had no access to when he was out other places. So he, God had him right there where he wanted him. And he wanted to take the gospel to people that Paul wasn't able to reach in another way. And Paul wasn't perturbed by that. He's just praying, wherever I am, here I am. Give me, Just pray that when I open my mouth, I'd know what to say, that God would give me words. Isn't that a great prayer? Isn't that a great prayer? Shouldn't we pray that every day? God, I'm going to be encountering people in my office today. When I open my mouth, would you please give me words to speak to them? 
Um, and, and when I have opportunities to, to speak for you, would you give me the courage to do it boldly today? Now, that's something to pray for. That's something to pray for, right? So, this is the kind of thing that he's praying for. So the idea that we're looking outward and, and praying outward as opposed to the praying just about our own selves and our own wants and our own desires and our own needs all the time is, is a critical factor in, in this whole thing. He talks about praying for all the saints. Um, that is, uh, you know, think about this. I'll give you this as a closing illustration because I think time's, yep, time's up. Um, Roman soldiers, these guys would fight. Uh, you got this idea of hand-to-hand combat with this gear on. What, what is the, the main part of the body that's exposed for a Roman soldier if he's by himself? He's got the breastplate on. He's got the shield. He's got the stuff. Say it. His back, right? So these guys would often fight how, do you think? Or back-to-back, right? Because if we're back-to-back, they come this way, I got it. They come that way... My buddy's got it because he's got my he's got my back. That's where this comes from. Right. So this was a, a, a way you, you fought. You had a buddy and your buddy had your back because that's where you were exposed. And that's an that's a great picture, I think, of what Paul's talking about, praying for all the saints. You know, I'm not going to spend time um, uh, 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 praying for me. Uh, I'm going I'm to pray for p- people who are out there. And you know what? The guy behind me, my brother's got my back. He's praying for me. He's covering my back. While I'm covering somebody else's and I'm covering his. And it's the idea of praying for the saints. And the picture in the church is, is you know, my, my focus isn't to be obsessively internal with every little issue and problem and need that I have. So, so that every day when I wake up, I'm thinking, oh, I don't have this or this is bothering me and here's a need and so on and so forth. It's more, it's more the idea of, of watching out on the battlefield, praying for what's going to be happening and praying for the saints, praying for one another. Me covering your back, trusting the fact that you're going to be doing what? Covering my back. And if I cover your back and you cover mine, guess what? At the end of the day, we're all what? We're all covered. We're all covered. We're prayed for. You see? That's part of, that's part of how prayer functions in the body. And, and, and God is expecting you to cover my back while He's expecting me to cover yours. And this, this falls into this matter of prayer. Praying for the saints. Praying for each other in the battle. I'm praying that God will give you words. I'm praying that God's going to help you today stand in the battle. When Satan comes at you with temptation, I'm praying that God would give you the strength to endure the temptation and to find victory. When Satan is coming at you with doubts and discouragement, I'm praying that God, by His Spirit, would encourage you and lift you up and build you up today so that you wouldn't be discouraged. Um, I'm praying those things for you, trusting that you're praying those things for me. Uh, we talked all along uh, about ways that Satan comes at us. So this, remember, we're talking about the fiery arrows. What kind of fiery arrows does Satan shoot? And we talked about discouragement. And we talked about um, um, temptation. And we talked about all the other things. Those are the things we should be praying for. Pray for those things. That one another would be able to stand up under those things. That God would give us the power by His Holy Spirit. And that power comes through prayer. It comes through consistent, regular dependence upon God through prayer. When I pray... It is, a, it is an instant reminder that I am inadequate to fight this battle by myself. I need the power of God. I can put on the armor all day, but if I'm not connected to His power, I'm a sitting duck for the enemy. And so are you. So are you. And so as we think about this armor and we think about putting on these pieces as we walk out into the day, uh, we, need to, we need to make sure that we're connected to the power source. You know, think of a, a fire and a garden hose. Garden hose laying on the ground, disconnected from the faucet. What? It's not going to do much for your fire. Connected to the faucet, all of a sudden, the fire goes quickly put out. You have the ability. 
Think of that as the armor apart from prayer and the armor with prayer. Do you, do you see the connection? Is that an easy illustration? So pray. Stop making excuses for yourself. Pray. Find a way to stop being so busy. Disconnect. Turn things off. Find some time to pray for other people, for all the saints. Or, and begin to, to develop the habit of just, how do I, throughout the day, think about the Lord? How do I think about God? Just think about Him. You know? Say thank you here and there. Think to pray about certain things as they're coming at me. Not being an afterthought in your life. It is the source of your power. And I'm convinced that many of us uh, get knocked out of the battle because we don't pray. It's true. Probably true for you. It's been true for me. So let's pray about being more prayerful. How about that? And then after we, uh, after I say amen, before you start fellowshipping again, I want you to write down on something that you have, or just write it down mentally if you don't have something to write with, one thing that you're going to do this week, the rest of the week, one thing you're going to do to improve where you are in your prayer life based on what we've talked about. Just one thing. See if you can navigate it through next Wednesday. Father, we, um, we recognize that we are, we are inadequate for the spiritual battle. We have an enemy who, who is powerful. We have an enemy who is, is, is intelligent. We have an enemy who understands uh, our weaknesses often better than we understand them. We have an enemy who, who, who customizes weapons just, uh, just for us. Uh, and he knows what tempts us. He knows what causes us doubts. He knows what, what, what brings fear into our life. And he comes at us in those areas. And Lord, we, we, are, we, are, uh, we are weak in so many ways. We are easily tempted. We are easily led away. We are easily frustrated. We are easily discouraged. And, and Lord, we recognize that apart from, from your power in us and through us, we will not be able to stand in the battle. It's just that simple. And so, God, we pray, um, we, 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 we pray that you would help us. Um, first of all, we pray that you'd forgive us for our prayerlessness. We, we pray that you would forgive us for our, our excessively crowded and busy lives, uh, for, for how uh, we allow so many other things to just squeeze you right out of our lives. And how we allow so many days to go by and we lay in our bed at night and often think, man, I didn't even think about God today. Forgive us for that, Lord, and help us. Help us in the midst of all the noise that's coming at us from every direction to find moments to be still and quiet, those deliberate moments where we can, like Jesus modeled for us, to, to, to be able to just get away from the noise and, and to deliberately spend time with you, recharging, refreshing, connecting, developing that relationship and intimacy with you. And at the same time, Lord, help us in the midst of the busyness of a day to, to think about you and to, to pray always, to, to give thanks, um, to, to, to seek your strength and your wisdom as we do things and speak things and navigate situations in our day. Give us those moments uh, where we have an opportunity to pray for one another, to cover each other's back. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be more prayerful. We understand that you are our strength and our power. We need you more than anything Every single day. Don't let us even this evening, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, begin to operate in our own self-righteous strength. Lord, we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.